Good morning, and welcome to Pay It Forward's podcast, Help Yourself by Helping Others. Today, our topic is methane. So we'll begin by addressing the question, what are fossil fuels? Alan, would you like to tell us about fossil fuels? Yes, um, fossil fuel is a natural fuel from the remains of uh, living organisms millions of years ago, such as dinosaurs, fig trees, or plants. So there are three primary fusel, uh, fossil fuels. So maybe go next slide, then we can. So the first one is coal, the second one is oil, and the third one is natural gas. I'm sure we all have heard about these three. So uh, the, this today we're talking about methane, which is one portion or, or a subset of the fossil fuel. Yeah, so coal is a solid fossil fuel and it's carbon rich and it's primarily used for electricity. Oil, we know, is petroleum. And natural gas, as Matt Allen just mentioned, uh, its primary uh, component is methane. Um, and we've been using fossil fuels for centuries, uh, but their widespread use began during the Industrial Revolution. So further discussion about natural gas, which is primarily composed of methane. Alan, uh, do you want to tell us about natural gas? Yeah, natural gas is just part of the earth, I guess. Uh, if you look at the underneath the earth, there are probably almost unlimited amount of natural gas. These are all like a, a result of millions of years that the earth exists. I guess when the sun shines, then you have trees that grow, uh, grass that grow, and then you have living animals or human. And when trees die, when the animals die, then they get fall down to the earth. And then through the years of compression and who knows what, uh, millions of years of earthquake, then these become um, uh, underneath the earth. So uh, natural gas is just part of it. You know, like the previous I said, in the solid form, it will be coal. In the gas form or liquid form, it will be petroleum. And in the gas form, it will be natural gas. So typically, natural gas is kind of um, blocked. That means there are some kind of uh, earth that's covering it, so to prevent it from escaping. Um, but if you want to extract it, then you have to go through the protection or the earth, then you can reach the natural gas. Okay, yeah, so it was formed over millions of years through decomposition of organic matter. And uh, it is a natural gas is usually found in reservoirs underground and natural gas primarily consists of methane, ethane, butane, and propane. And as we said, the main component is methane and methane can comprise 77 to 92% of natural gas. Uh, and as Alan mentioned, um, we extract natural gas using drilling techniques um, to, under, to access those underground reservoirs. And once it is extracted, you know, it's transported and used uh, by various end users, residential, commercial, industrial. Uh, a lot of us use it for cooking. 
Um, when you turn on your stove and you see that flame, that is natural gas and it has been extracted from the earth. And it is a very important fuel source um, and feedstock in the production of other chemicals and fertilizers. Um, so today's discussion is about methane. So um, as we mentioned, it's the primary component of uh, natural gas. Uh, methane is a colorless, odorless, and highly flammable gas, but it is the simplest hydrocarbon uh, with only one carbon atom and four hydrogen atoms. It's uh, considered a very stable gas um, and is used a lot. Uh, in various applications, which we will discuss further in our uh, presentation. So methane can be admitted to, into the atmosphere through both natural processes and human activities. And this little uh, diagram is kind of informative. You can show how it shows how methane uh, does get uh, uh, emitted into the atmosphere, sometimes from animals, sometimes from burning. Um, even digestive processes and termites, which is a surprise, plant decay in wetlands and from landfills. Um, so our next slide, we're going to talk about some of the natural ways that methane gets released into the atmosphere. Uh, Mitchell, can you uh, give us an overview of this slide? Sure. Um, you know, with, like you said, with, met with methane, it's just a, it's a part of nature. It's a cycle of nature where you have organic material that breaks down um, and becomes something else. So you have places like wetlands, oceans, uh, natural gas seeps, termites, all functionally parts of nature that helps process one thing to another. Yes. And then there are also human ways that uh, methane gets released. Um, Alan, do you want to go over this slide? Yes. Uh, basically, uh, when we start drilling or extracting, then uh, I assume if things are done right, then maybe over 90% will be transported. But then there will always be a few percent that get accidentally or just part of nature that it get released unintentionally. Uh, that's the extraction process that it release. Also, like agriculture, when you do it, um, you know, from animals or goats, also like a release the natural gas part of the digestive system. And then another major source is landfills. So most of the items that we throw away, if it is food uh, that we don't eat or anything um, that are organic, then they will start emit uh, methane if we get stored uh, in the landfill. Um, the good news is some of the waste company, they are trying to uh, harvest the landfill and then convert or use it to produce energy instead of letting the methane escape into the air. And the last one in the slide is biomass burning. That means if for some reason we do burning and we don't burn completely, then it would em emit methane also. Yes. So um, which begs the question, how does methane affect the environment? And as with most things, uh, you know, it has positive and negative effects. Um, 
some of the uh, bad effects of methane with the environment uh, are listed on this slide. Uh, and Mitchell, can you just go over those? Sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's a greenhouse gas, so it does do damage to the ozone layer. Um, you have methane leakage that can become flammable um, and can cause fires. Um, it's non-renewable as it takes a while for the organic material to become methane. Um, and, you know, you have emissions from agriculture where people can smell. But I think overall, when you look at something like methane that's created naturally, the unnatural part is the overuse of it. So whenever you use too much of something, um, it's going to cause a problem. So that's part of the problem that goes on with the environment. Yes. So there are some, uh, as we said, negative effects on the environment from methane, um, uh, even because it is odorless and colorless, it can be a safety concern in enclosed spaces. Um, so that is something to be mindful of. Don't leave your stove on. <laughs> um, but there are also positive. Oh, well, I, first we were just going to go over real quickly the greenhouse effect. Um, so that refers to the process where uh, certain gases that are in the Earth's atmosphere can lead to warming of the planet. And as we said, because methane is a big uh, you know, component of natural gas, that's why methane can uh, contribute to the greenhouse effect. So um, it's a natural phenomenon and it's essential for supporting the life on, on, on our Earth. But you know, human activities have been increasing the concentrations of these gases, um, primarily through burning of fossil fuels, deforestation, and industrial processes. So um, the consequences of global warming, as we know, are rising global temperatures and mitigating, you know, the greenhouse effect is certainly important and a crucial step in addressing climate change. But there are uh, obviously benefits to methane. Um, uh, Alan, would you like to uh, discuss some of those? Yeah, uh, basically the pros of methane or slash natural gas is a very clean uh, burning fuel uh, because every day we enjoy warm water, we enjoy cooking. Um, and also the industrial uh, big company, they rely on some heating uh, for making steel, making stuff. Uh, so one of the option if they use natural gas or methane for this is if it's done properly, it's almost 100% combustion. That means there's very little um, emission if it's done properly. As the second benefit is in most uh, areas, um, including North America, is very accessible. We've been using it for maybe 100 years now, and it's abundant. Basically, it's just um, available everywhere. Most states in the US uh, or North America. And also is versatile. You can use it primarily in the big industrial sense. It's a, it's a clean way to convert electricity where maybe solar or other uh, may not be enough. Then this is a way you can kick it in and then supply um, electricity. Uh, for the big power plants. Also, as we know that we use it for heating, especially in the colder states during the winter is much cheaper 
to use natural gas than other forms like uh, diesel, oil, or, or other other methods. Um, and also based on this, if it's done properly, if you have the latest appliance, then it convert uh, almost 100%, maybe 90% of its trapped energy into usable energy. So there's not much waste. So it's high efficiency. Um, like we mentioned earlier, it's a backup in case if we use solar for the power generation. And if it rains, then people still want you know, the electricity. Then this can be cranked up so we can have no power uh, outage. True. So there are obvious pros and benefits uh, to methane. Um, as we were kind of uh, touching on in the last slide, uh, some of the uh, uses for methane are uh, listed here. Mitchell, can you give us a, an overview of the sure, methane? Sure, like, like I'll state it, um, energy production is probably number one. Um, it could, use, could be used around generators to produce electricity. Um, it's commonly used for heating and cooking um, in gas form. Um, there's industrial processes and uses for it. Uh, you have a lot of public transportation where they use it for public buses and other things like that. Um, again, we talk more about the heating and cooling systems um, that are designed for waterway treatment and in agriculture. Uh, I believe generally it, it's a primary source of energy for most people um, on the planet that's the most common next to electricity. Absolutely. Uh, and one of the things Mitchell just touched upon was transportation. And that uh, included in that is LNG, which stands for liquefied natural gas. And we at Pay It Forward uh, are big proponents of LNG uh, for a number of reasons. But to begin with, can you uh, tell us a little bit about LNG, Alan? Yeah, uh, basically natural gas in its form um, underneath the ground is a gas. So with gas, uh, the only way to move from the source to anywhere is by pipeline. So if we're within the North America, then there are extensive uh, pipeline in place. So they move from Utah to Georgia or, you know, whatever built uh, many years ago, and also I guess they are con continue maintaining. But if we want to deliver natural gas to overseas, then the only way to do it is to go by ship. So a typical process is um, we convert the natural gas from uh, the underground, let's say in the coastal state, for example, like Louisiana, Texas, then we compress it and cool it down then it become like a liquid form, but a very cold liquid. And these will then be pumped into specialized uh, containers. And then once it's filled up, then the container travel to its destination. It can be Europe, can be Asia, can be anywhere. Then when it arrived, then the reverse took place. Basically, they would warm up the liquid, then it become gas, and then the gas will go into that country or that continent's underground pipeline, and then let the industry or the consumers in that country 
enjoy and use the natural gas. Yeah, it's really playing a significant uh, role and uh, as an energy source in many parts of the world and for transporting uh, natural gas. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at our next slide, uh, in particular, uh, cargo ships have uh, inherently as historically used bunker fuel, which is not good. Uh, Mitchell, can you uh, tell us a little bit about bunker fuel and why? Yeah. Um, a lot of times, yeah. sorry, a lot of times with cargo ships, once they get into international waters, they'll burn the, the cheapest fuel they have on the ship, which is usually the stuff at the bottom of the barrel. So it's the gooky, orally thick stuff that has most of the pollutants and most of the tar in it. Um, and this is so that they can save money while shipping. Um, and those are pollutants that are getting into the air where it's illegal in most countries to burn within their waterways because they don't want the pollutant getting into their air. But in international waters, the air is still universal. So it still um, makes an impact. Right. So um, because of having all these uh, terrible sulfur dioxide emissions, uh, liquid uh, natural gas LNG is considered a cleaner alternative to traditional bunker fuel. And um, there are challenges to widespread adoption of LNG because, you know, you need to have the infrastructure for refueling and, you know, have those in ports and uh, places to, uh, you know, have it um be part of the supply chain, but it is a viable transition fuel. And um, more and more uh, companies are doing it. As a matter of fact, we just saw recently um, uh, that um, the first cargo ship running on green methanol uh, was just used uh, recently. And so that is a, a big step in that um, it was done by the big cargo shipping uh, leader, Maersk, and it's a biomethanol powered container ship, and it's on the fast track for decarbonization. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and then this slide talks about pay it forward. Uh, we've been discussing uh, the, a lot of these innovative uh, technologies and systems for years now, <laughs> and including LNG. Um, so, Alan, can you just tell us uh, a little bit about uh, Pay It Forward's program or what the ideas we've been discussing? Yeah, this one uh, we've been talking about it, uh, primarily within the U.S. or the uh, 50 states plus Puerto Rico or Guam, mm -hmm. uh, as the Jones Act uh, law in place that forbid uh, ships that uh, they are not American uh, flagged to not uh, transport within our own country. So pay forward uh, goal is to try to have a way we can um, promote building ships in this country. And at the same time, we if we can adopt the LNG or the uh, cleaner burning fuel for these cargo ships, then it would promote uh, many benefits within the US. But the same program can also happen to other countries too. Mm -hmm. In this country, we just are blessed with unlimited supply of natural gas 
So it makes it easier because uh, the last I checked, the LNG is about $2 and some change in the southern states here, whereas in Japan and Europe, it might be five times as that. So much easier to implement it in here than other parts of the world because uh, the cost is uh, much easier for adoption. Absolutely. Um, so there are U.S. natural gas power plants, obviously. And I think, Alan, you we had discussed this the other day that, you know, possibly, um, you know, issues that have been or may have arisen with emissions um, are because the plants are older. Uh, so many of our plants uh, that are older are being retrofitted um, or replaced with more modern and efficient um, plants. And in recent years, there has been a push towards modernizing and updating the, that infrastructure. And uh, as a matter of fact, Alan, you live by uh, a fairly new plant. Uh, is that correct? That's the one shown here by Calpine? Yes. Yeah, basically, if it's done right with the modern technology, it can be wonderful. Basically, you're using a very abundant and clean natural gas and then convert to electricity while it's peak demand or you can turn on, turn off uh, easier than solar and other methods. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the older plan is almost impossible to convert. Um, similar to building a house, I guess it's easier to build a brand new house with all the latest technology than to convert an old house. Uh, it's just very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this uh, plant uh, serves 600,000 households, including Allen's, I guess. And uh, they uh, claim that they are 90% uh, reduction in emissions and 40% more fuel efficient than older fossil fuel generating facilities in the Bay Area. So uh, that's what the future should be for all of these older plants. And then natural gas supplies, as Alan was mentioning, um, several countries do not have enough natural gas. Um, and they are generally referred to as natural gas deficient countries. Um, the reasons for the deficiency can vary. Um, limited reserves, geographical constraints, economic factors, um, and they have to rely heavily on imports. Um, the availability uh, can have a significant impact on a country's energy security. Um, on the other hand, countries with abundant supplies can benefit from a stable and relatively cleaner burning energy source. So uh, as a matter of fact, as Alan was mentioning, uh, the U.S. does have a good, uh, a, an abundant supply of natural gas. Correct, Alan? Yeah, actually, we have two positive for for our country. Number one is somehow we're lucky. We have all kinds of gas underneath uh, most states. The second is we have superior technology that other countries are not uh, able to uh, um, like um, obtain. So because with natural gas, you need cutting edge technology mm -hmm. and the workers and the infrastructure to, to do it. Also, our temperature is pretty mild, other than Alaska. In some other country, even if they have gas, it might be a very remote area, maybe very harsh environment. So it's very difficult to get started. 
Right. So between the technological advancements Alan mentioned and our favorable geological conditions and our regulatory environment um, and demand, we've become one of the leading producers of natural gas in the world. Uh, and that can lead also to an, uh, a challenge uh, because the U.S. has also um had an, uh, an excess, if you will, of natural gas. And that has um, led to flaring. Uh, Mitchell, do you want to talk about uh, gas flaring? Um, sure. You know, like like when they dig for oil, um, it, the, natural gas is a byproduct that comes from that. So as it, one of the problems that we have in the country is since it's a byproduct, the infrastructure isn't there for the byproduct. So we don't have as many pipelines as we could. Um, and it's a controversial issue. So the only other option we have is to turn it to LNG, which the equipment and technique is kind of expensive. So unfortunately, you have a lot of people that just burn off the excess when, when they're digging and they're drilling oil. And uh, that creates a whole nother problem. It becomes wasteful and it's bad for the environment. Um, but mostly out of the fact that it's hard to move around. It's a gas. Yes. So gas flaring uh, is, I mean, people have probably seen it, uh, you know, especially in pictures of Texas, you see the stacks with the flames coming out of them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it's undesirable. And it does, like, as Mitchell said, represents a waste um, and it contributes to greenhouse gas. So uh, everyone's been working together to try to address the issue of glass flaring and encourage more responsible practices. And as Mitchell said, you know, ideally it would be to trap that excess gas and transport it via LNG uh, to other countries that need it because there are um, cases where people do need uh, uh, gas because they do not, they have a deficiency. So we want to, uh, if at all possible, uh, reduce gas flaring and promote more responsible use. And here are uh, some of the natural gas deficient countries. Alan, can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Re regarding the flaring, I just talked to a friend recently who is, uh, lives in Mexico mm -hmm. and he said, uh, miles and miles away you can see flare uh in the oil region wow. in mexico 24 7. oh my goodness one reason is um if they don't do the flare then it'll be even worse it'll be explosion mm -hmm. because uh, all this has to go somewhere uh, sorry anyway so let, let's go back to um the deficient countries is that what we yep mm -hmm. yeah so basically a lot of industrialized countries they are not as blessed as we are for example in germany for example i have a friend that traveled to germany once in a while to visit his family and then he gets spoiled taking shower every day when he go there he attempt to take a shower you know with his family and they say no we can't afford for you to take shower every day because the natural gas over there is probably 10, 20 times more expensive. So consequently, um, people have to make do with, you know, whatever they have. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And I'm sure that Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, all, all these countries that are listed here, they wish they have uh, more natural gas. And that's actually possible if there's a way we can increase LNG storage and transportation that either Mexico or US have abundance of, then we can you know, spread it around so other consumers can you know, share the same joy. Yeah, as you see, uh, you know, with most of these countries listed here in Germany, as Alan mentioned, they're very reliant on imports. And the way to do that is through LNG. And uh, currently, you know, the infrastructure is not in place in a lot of ports. So that is something that is very important going forward. So uh, these countries can receive the kind of uh, natural gas that they need. Uh, now we're going to talk about some methane myths. <laughs> because, I mean, it does have kind of, you know, you hear methane and you know it's a chemical and, it, uh, you know, there are some, you know, we've just talked about it contributing to greenhouse gases, but it also has a reputation that may not be uh, accurate. Um, some of it is that it's harmless because it's natural and that's true, but it also um, is a greenhouse gas as we mentioned and it can harm the environment. Um, and that methane uh, reducing emissions is not important and it is as we just discussed. Um, but here's some of the other <laughs> uh, myths. The main source of methane emissions is cow flatulence and burping. <laughs> Because I think we've all heard that as little kids. <laughs> um, and while livestock do produce methane through their digestive process, it's not the solar primary source of methane emissions. There are much bigger sources or significant sources than cow farts. Uh, methane emissions are unavoidable and uncontrollable. Um, but there are many human-related activities that contribute to it, and they can be controlled and reduced. So uh, implementing these advancements and uh, improving infrastructure and best practices can reduce uh, some of the methane emissions. And then another one, that the earth would explode if we didn't extract natural gas. Uh, but that is not true. Um, if we stopped uh, we would obviously not be able to do cooking and things like that. So we, we rely on uh, natural gas. Yeah. But, but but also we have to remember that this, that natural gas is a part of nature's cycle. That's right. So the earth also has a use for it or it wouldn't be there. So mm -hmm. us overusing it, I think, is the biggest danger. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, the earth will not explode. No need to worry. Uh, another uh, one is that methane gas is poisonous, and uh, that too is uh, not uh, accurate. It is not inherently poisonous to humans. It's um, the fact that it's non-toxic and odorless um, can lead to a problem. Like for if, instance, if you leave your gas on all day on your stove, um, you know that could lead to asphyxiation. But inherently. It is not poisonous and it is not harmful to breathe in small quantities. So it's generally safe to handle and use under con controlled conditions. Uh, 
Mitchell talked about this the other day, so I thought I would uh, create a slide for it. Um, uh, Mitchell, do you want to tell us about the gates of hell? <laughs> sure. This came up in a random search. Um, uh, you know, I think some, let's go into the story here. It was a crater that was created by some locals um, that were mining and digging, and then they, they noticed the gas. So they were afraid of it becoming poisonous, so I believe they threw a grenade in it. And the grenade ignited the natural gas reservoir, and it it's just kind of melting soil and rock ever since. Um, and I think it's been going on since here in 1971. Mm. Um, and now it's a tourist attraction. Yes. <laughs> and that's literally what it looks like. It uh, So it does look like uh, the gate to hell, uh, but it's constantly burning and it's become a spectacle uh, uh, over the years. Um, and it's a, you know, unique appearance and history have contributed to its fame as a geological wonder. <laughs> uh, by the way, it is in Turkmenistan if you want to take a trip uh, to see the gates of hell. <laughs> um, so reducing methane emissions. Um, per the Environmental Defense Fund, cutting methane emissions is the fastest opportunity we have to immediately slow the rate of global warming um, because uh, methane uh even though CO2 has a longer lasting effect, uh, methane sets the pace for warming in the near term. So again, uh, you know, what we're talking about is capturing uh, methane, not allowing these emissions to take place. You know, stopping the flares, uh, capturing leak leaks, and doing uh, best practices uh, to pr uh, reduce methane emissions. Sorry, I can't speak. So here are some of the ways uh, that it can be done. Alan, you wanna start us off? Oh yeah, basically for the farming, like for example, rice, there are technology in place to uh, maybe dry it differently instead of using uh, traditional method for flooding. So uh, I'm sure scientists can work with the farmers, big farmers, to cut down on the emission. And then on the landfill, uh, some of the bigger cities, they already have programs in place that would capture any kind of landfill, uh, decomposed uh, food waste, and then use it to um, put in the pipeline so people can use it for cooking and eating instead of uh, wasting. And then there are always improvement in appliance companies to make uh, appliances more efficient, like furnaces, cooking appliance, or any industrial use for natural gas or methane. So this way it will be more complete use instead of letting it escape. Also, the government uh, and the regulators, they can do more research, maybe help uh, work with professors in order to come up with new policies, new methods that will reduce the emission. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last one here is international. That means if all countries can come together and then try to share ideas that, that will probably uh, help us in the long run. Absolutely. And a few other uh ways to reduce methane uh, emissions, uh, Mitchell? 
Sure. Um, starting off, improve fossil food management. Um, I think that's a big one. Using, you know, like like you said earlier in the podcast, we've only been using fossil fuels to this scale for the last couple hundred years. Um, and it's been rapidly increasing every year, our demand for energy. So we have to improve our practices. Um, the way that we capture the methane, you know, the more that we capture, the more responsible, the less that can leak out, the less problem we can have. Um, and the sustainable agriculture is just, you know, figure out a way to use the material um, without damaging the planet. Mm -hmm. And one of the things uh, that we just talked about was, you know, especially in landfills, uh, is food waste. Um, especially here in America, I think we waste so much food. I know I myself, like we've talked, my husband and I have talked about, we're only going to buy what we're going to eat because we just waste so much. Um, so, you know, landfill conditions, the anaerobic decomposition, uh, all of that can lead to methane emissions from landfills. So the impact of food waste is significant um, and, re you know, represents a substantial portion of the overall waste stream in many countries. So if we can properly manage that, like through composting uh, or with controlled methane capture, um, you know, we can uh, reduce emissions and even turn it into a useful energy source. So as this, as the little graphic says on the right, love your leftovers, you know, <laughs> eat what you buy. And if you go to a restaurant, and you don't eat it, bring it home and eat it. Um, you know, it really, food waste can contribute to methane uh, pollution. And according to the EPA, one third of all the food in the U.S. goes uneaten. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, I mean, yeah, awful. I know you're not one of those people, Alan. You're you're good at not wasting food. Um, <laughs> so, um, you reduce it by improved storage, better inventory, consumer education, composting. Um, so we all can do better. So we should all be fighting uh, food waste, and that leads us into what you can do um, to uh, play a role in reducing methane uh, pollution. And like we just talked about, the first uh, bullet point is reduce food waste. Uh, Mitchell, what are some other things uh, that people can do to help the planet? Yeah, you know, as every day, like I said, our energy demand is growing. Um, so we have to be conscious of that and the consequences. So that we have to start conserving energy. Um, I think that's going to be a big step. Um, and doing that, you can, you know, look for just what can you cut out, having sustainable transportation occasionally carpooling occasionally every little bit helps when you have billions of people on the planet participating mm -hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be much of an effort and, and then support renewable energy um understand that we can't ever really get rid of coal or oil um so the best thing to do is to just kind of distribute um mm -hmm. different sources so just yep. you know add some solar add some wind um use different ways of having energy in your life Yep, Alan's a good example. You have uh, solar uh, at your home, but you're, you know, also using gas cooking. So you're a multi-user. <laughs> uh, other things you can do, um, you know, properly dispose of waste by recycling and using recycling programs, you know, conserve water, um, support sustainable agriculture, um, 
and advocate and raise awareness. I mean, you and me as individuals may not, you know, solve, you know, the world's problems, but collective efforts can make a difference. Um, and so being conscious of your daily choices, um, we can contribute to pollution and a more sustainable future. And in conclusion, uh, we just wanna say, uh, it is important to acknowledge the positive aspects of methane. It is a cleaner burning energy source and it's renewing, it has a lot of renewable energy potential. Um, we just have to be responsible in our methane management and mitigate its uh, you know, environmental impact um, by implementing strategy strategies like improving infrastructure, like with these aging plants, power plants, enhancing leak detection and promoting sustainable agriculture, reducing food waste, um, we can make significant progress in reducing methane emissions and we can, uh, you know, capture the methane, capture natural gas and convert it to LNG to help our uh, natural gas deficient neighbors and uh, because it is a valuable resource. Uh, Mitchell, anything you would like to add to our presentation? Well, I think we covered a lot. Uh, I know that we talked about it a few times, but you know we have uh, a program where we hope to build cargo ships and not only use LNG um, as an energy source, but also possibly uh, ship it around the world. So mm -hmm. it's good to highlight that and go back to USA ships as well. Yes. Alan? Um, yeah, I think we got most of the thing covered. Um, so the methane, um, a majority component of natural gas. So uh, in this presentation, we kind of use it interchangeably, but mm -hmm. they are almost the same, except uh, may not be 100%. So uh, just want to make that clear. Yes, yes. I know, uh, as I was putting this together, sometimes I was like, I, you know, we're calling the presentation methane, but I keep talking about natural gas. Uh, so I have kind of used them a little bit interchangeably, but methane is a, you know, 50 to 90% uh, component of natural gas. So um, that's why that was done that way. So that concludes our um, discussion on methane. Uh, feel free to go back and uh, review the presentation at your leisure. Um, we hope our audience enjoyed it. And just a reminder that we have many other podcast episodes uh, available for viewing. Uh, you can find them on Spotify, Google, YouTube, and Dystopia. We've discussed many things, uh, as you see on the middle slide there, shipping that we touched on in this presentation and specifically uh, the Jones Act and building cargo ships that are USA built. Um, that's one of them. We also have one on longevity and memory loss, um, dealing with difficult relationships, many topics. So please uh, go to one of these sites and look for the Help Yourself by Helping Others podcast. And uh, Mitchell, can you tell us how people can support or follow us? Sure. Um, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, we're there. You can find us there. We have our website, payitforwardonline.org. Uh, you talked about you can listen to our podcast. And you can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. 
and um, a Facebook page. The Facebook group is where community come together and talk about uh, paying for it. Okay. So finally, um, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Alan and Mitchell, thank you for uh, your participation. And uh, as we say, uh, we'll see you next time and keep paying it forward. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay.